in the previous chapter of The Tantalus Tales. Your traveling party sits atop a hill at dusk. The town of Daggernon is visible on the horizon. An eerie crimson moon in the sky makes those below uneasy. A sour wind blows from the north as our party begins to set up camp. Roll a uh, investigation. Let's see if you can find your your wolf. Oh, sure he finds it there and some over there and a little bit more over there. We are um, here to help the town. Per the summons. Who else has prized objects in this town? Doesn't have prized objects. That's what I've been asking. Yeah. Apparently it's just us. You guys don't have prized objects? He uh, walks over to a large desk, pulls out a library card. Damn it, you uh, you jumped ahead of me on that one. I'm T, and this <laughs> is uh, my prize dragon, Ice. Prize dragon? Ugh. Oh. You should keep that, uh, keep that under lock and key. Uh, prized cow once. Everything prized. Prized wife. Away. Oh my gosh. That's starting to sound like a country song. <laughs> Books stay in library! <laughs> a man of uh, few principles. In a, a passion of anger, like a like an angsty teenager would uh, would scrawl out some sort of uh, heavy metal band logo. It says "mother" okay. every so often all around the uh, emo all face. Okay, wow. Mother, what in Gorn's name does that mean? Where did you find this? Wasn't me. <laughs> it wasn't me. Okay, I guess I guess it was me then, right? Damn his happiness! It makes me happy. Uh, just can't stay mad at a guy that's that, that 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 chipper, you know? What season is it right now? Is it like spring or summer? Well, it's never winter. But Carl, I think we've talked about this. You can't just eat everything in sight. You say that, but if it's edible, you can have. Some restraint, my friend. Or we could just eat it. Yeah. Alright, then I jump off the tree and kind of Mary Poppins with ice. I'm gonna run and jump on his back and whisper into his ear. Everybody saw that. <laughs> and then I'm gonna Eldridge blast him close range. He unravels no. the scroll and you notice it's a family portrait. Oh my god. Aww. He, this he is keeps, adorable. Richard. He keeps. Aww. He keeps a family portrait in his satchel with him at all times. Uh, of course he does, because he's a family man. But, uh, man, dark, yeah, it is some dark stuff they've got brewing around here. He and his cult buddies are trying to lure some kind of monster planet thingy here to destroy the planet. Oh. Uh, crazy oh, okay. how kids grow up and do more than you ever thought they were capable of. Who wants to save the world? I'm assuming. Am I getting paid mm. for this? Uh, shut up. I mean, ideally, no, we would, the, sa the saving the world is the reward that, you know, not um, everyone dies. No. I'm okay with the quest that I'm currently on. I'm not here to save the world. The car? I swear to God, <laughs> any god, you're gonna get it. I'll give you a gold piece if you do this. How's that? Okay. As Picar reaches out his arm to Richard... He notices his fingertips. They appear to be disintegrating. You look around at your other party members. They all show the same signs of disappearing. You begin to feel weightless as your bodies begin to rise towards the heavens. 
Looking back at Richard, he looks intact. Abominations begin to overtake him. His hands still outstretched towards you, Bakar. You feel strange as your vision begins to blur. The last thing you can make out is the shock and fear in Richard's eyes. For a moment, it appears as though a tear is welling up. But then silence. The noise of the oncoming horde of abominations, the hysterical laughter of Merrick, the pleas of help from Richard, they're all gone. Everything has gone dark. You feel nothing. into a bright white circular room it is entirely empty and the walls appear to be completely blank you feel woozy as your body reassembles themselves particle by particle rouge seems to be unaffected even a little bored as she watches her fingers materialize she takes a deep breath as you hear a whooshing noise followed by four silenced shots and a twinge of pain in your necks a rush of figures in hazmat suits surround you. One of the figures encases ice in a clear case and sprints out of the room as the three of you fall to the ground. Your eyes heavy, your bodies numb. The figures close in around you as you fall unconscious. Oh, God, the first one's always free, isn't it? <laughs> the first one's always free, yeah. <laughs> when you awaken, you are in a new room. The room is small, sterile. You find yourself lying in a hospital bed. On the wall to your left is a large horizontal mirror. In front of you, there is a door. To the left is a table with your clothing, a pitcher of water, and a charcuterie. When you look down, you realize you're wearing one of those thin, papery hospital gowns. The rest of your party is nowhere to be found. You are alone. And then we will... Uh, jump into some segments. Uh, I've got Bakar first on my list unless somebody else wants to go first. I'm fine with this. Bakar is always first. Alphabetical order, please. Perfect, perfect. Alphabetical order. Bakar, there is a knock on the door and in walks a large bipedal orange cat-like creature in a lab coat holding a clipboard. It pulls up a stool and sits next to your bed, allowing you to look into its green eyes. Pulling a pen from its pocket, the tabaxi taps its lips, and it reads from a sheet of paper on the clipboard. It scratches the back of its ear before saying, Hello, my name is Nicola. I am the head physician on this station. Now, he flips between a couple of pages on his clipboard, your name is Barack, isn't it? Bakar is my name. I see. He scribbles out uh, Barack and fixes it. Says, my apologies. I must have misheard Rouge. Uh-huh. 
I apologize for the rough introduction. It is very unusual for us to have so many new visitors at once. Can I get you a glass of water? Perhaps some crackers and marmalade? I want you to tell me where I'm at. All in due time. I have a few questions that I will need you to answer before I allow you to explore the station. Fine. First off, can you tell me what happened on plane Gamma 7392? Plane? Okay. Um, I remember I didn't get paid. Not yet, at least. And I remember meeting a new person and someone about a mother and then I think something about a moon or an asteroid and then nothing. Hmm. I see. Well, I am sorry for your loss. Yeah, I really wanted that gold. I see. Many of the residents on the station have similar stories. And speaking of loss, I was informed that you lost a loved one in the destruction of Gamma 7392. Wait, what? Lost. No, I didn't lose anything. I'm sorry, I'm afraid you don't quite understand. Then tell me exactly what you're talking about. Gamma 7392 was lost. You are no longer- Lost how? It's gone to chaos. This doesn't make sense. What do you mean, lost to chaos? When the asteroid struck, the world was destroyed. No. No, that can't be right. You are no longer on plane Gamma 7392, Bakar. You are in a neutral zone. Who did I lose? Did I lost everyone? Everyone? Aside from the... three you brought with. The Orenthil, a tea, and a small lizard. I lost Mercy, I lost her, I lost the Mercy group, I'm never going to find her. No, no, this can't be true. There's, There has to be a way to fix it. There has to be a way to bring them back. I wish there was. I don't want to talk anymore. I see. Thank you for your cooperation. My deepest sympathies for your loss. We have services available to help you through this difficult time. Rouge will be with you shortly to reunite you with your companions. 
And with that, Nicola blinks out of existence as he was a hologram. The kitty. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, Oh, God. Uh, Colleen predicted that you would yell kitty at some point in this this section. It took me so much effort not to do it at first. I was like, it's a kitty. Oh, my God, it's a cat. (laughs) (laughs) Fucking wonderful. All right. Uh... (laughs) Why would you do this to me? The kitty thing or the killing your family? Both. <laughs> both. Both is good. Both is good. Uh, but yeah, that is your uh, that is your section one on one. All right. Um, all right, Oren, welcome. Yo. Uh, <laughs> you as well are alone in this uh, this room. There is a knock on your door. And in walks a large, bipedal, orange, cat-like creature in a lab coat holding a clipboard. It pulls up a stool and sits next to your bed, allowing you to look directly into its green eyes. Pulling a pen from its pocket, the tabaxi taps its lips and reads a sheet of paper on the clipboard. It scratches the back of its ear before saying, Hello. My name is Nicola. I'm the head physician on this station. Now... He flips between a couple of pages on his clipboard. Your name is Orenthil, is it not? Yes. I apologize for the rough introduction. It is very unusual for us to have so many new visitors at once. Can I get you a glass of water? That would be nice. Perhaps some crackers or marmalade? No, the water will be fine. All right. He uh, steps up and he grabs you a glass of water and returns to his seat. Now, I have a few questions that I need to ask you before I allow you to explore the station. First off, can you tell me what happened on Plane Gamma 7392? Uh, from when? Just the last few minutes of it, or earlier? As far back as you would like to explain. Hmm. Well, the three of us, four of us, I should say, uh, arrived in that little town, said that we'd help solve the mystery of why things were disappearing, eventually figured out that it was set to an old fortress to the north of the town, I believe. We went there, infiltrated it, uh, found some cultists doing some wacky stuff, tried to stop them, and a great big thing fell out of the sky, and I think a bunch of stuff blew up, and then we wound up here. I see, I see. Oh, well, I am sorry for your loss. Many of the residents here on the station have similar stories. Speaking of loss, I have been informed that you lost a loved one in the destruction of Gamma 7392. Is that the case? Yes. Uh, I guess I'm just still coming to terms with it. It wasn't just one person, I suppose it was most of my family, but the only one I really cared about was that sister of mine. I see. Is there anything you could tell me about your sister? Well, uh, several years younger, I think a couple decades younger than me. Just barely, well, barely more of a teenager in, in my people's reckoning. 
name was Lisara. The only one that I really like spending time with, only one who seemed to have her head on straight. You know what was going on. Like just practicing. She she enjoyed watching me uh, do the archery skills that I'd learned as a ranger. I think she may have wanted to be a ranger one day herself. Now, don't know. I guess that's all gone. Denial is not an uncommon reaction to loss. It is tragic. We recovered two other members of your party, a Bakar and a T. What can you tell me about the others? Well, that Bakar, that guy can be a bit straining at times. Never does anything for free. Won't even pick up someone's laundry for free. Jeez. But he's, he's stalwart. Never backs down from a fight once you, you know, pay whatever you want. Talks in a third person a lot, but I, I, it's really not something that bothers me, ultimately. Takes a, you can take a hit and keep going. And T, that little that little caster, and he's the support, I guess. He throws all the spells. And, uh, but wait, what happened to his little familiar, Ice? Ice is fine. Ice is safe. Oh. That's good to hear. Those two are almost inseparable. Can't imagine them apart. They're a team. And uh, what happened to Richard? Richard? Yes. There was a fourth member. Did you? I, I guess. Well, I guess you didn't get him, did you? My apologies. I am afraid the only ones we acquired were yourself, Bakar, T, and Ice. Was it? Yes. Yes. Unfortunately. Rouge was only able to recover you for. Well, I guess if Richard had to go, he probably would have preferred that. Dying, trying to save the world, giving his all. He really was the most driven of our group, the one that always wanted to help out. Always had a helping hand. Though I guess it's better than nothing for him. I see. Well, thank you for your cooperation. No problem. My deepest sympathies for your loss. We do have services available to help you through this difficult time. Thank you. I might need that. I'll take you up on it if I feel the need. Yes. Rouge will be with you shortly to reunite you with your companions. All right. I understand. And with that, Nicola blinks out of existence as he was a hologram. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that is your interview. Oh. That is your... Oh, uh, little section uh thank you that was very detailed so now uh we'll uh have to get t in here for his and then we'll get you all back in here for uh your reunition reuniting reunation reunation reunification reunification yeah uh so um hop out or something gonna throw me out uh you know uh, Bakar was the one that did all of that. So, oh, cool. T, welcome. You, like the others, are alone in a hospital room, essentially. While you're observing your surroundings, in walks a large bipedal orange cat-like creature in a lab coat holding a clipboard. 
It roughly pulls up a stool and sits next to your bed, allowing you to look directly into its green eyes. He pulls a pen from his pocket, and the tabaxi taps its lips as it reads a sheet of paper on the clipboard. It scratches the back of its ear before saying, Hello, my name is Nicola. I am the head physician on this station. Now, he flips between a couple of pages on his clipboard. What is your name? T. Just T? Yes, just T. I see. It is very unusual for us to have so many new visitors at once. Let's get through this quickly, shall we? Alrighty then, I I mean, I had a place to be at four, but if we can hurry up, that'd be cool. I see. I have a few questions that I need you to answer before I can allow you to leave. First, I would like you to tell me what happened on plane Gamma 7392. Well, uh, don't really know what that is. Hmm. I suppose most don't have the same knowledge of the planes as I. It is just what we call your home world. Now tell me what happened. Oh, um, the last thing I remember was we were fighting on top of a roof, and a bright light came from the sky. It just grew bigger and bigger, and we just sat there because... There's nothing we could do. And then that's it. I woke up here. Yes, the asteroid unfortunately destroyed your home world. My sympathies for the loss of your home. Many of the residents on the station have similar stories. Speaking of loss, I was informed that your cults perished in the destruction of Gamma 7392. Was that the case? You mean my church? If that's what you want to call it. No. <sighs> Did Father make it? I'm afraid the only inhabitants of that world we were able to save was yourself, your little lizard, Bakar, and Orenthil. Oh. Oh no. Not father. Tell me more about your father. Uh, father was the high priest of my village. Uh, his job was to raise the chosen and prepare them for destiny. Destiny? Father was the only. It's, it's what we're supposed to fulfill in life. The chosen. I see. Yeah. Father was special because he was the only one who could understand Ice, my dragon. Uh, together they spent 120 years deciphering a book and have translated a full text. A man who was brilliant enough to decipher the text of the great old and true God. The old and, and true God. Yes. I'm... Sure you know him. I'm afraid I am a man of science. A feline of science. I do not deal in the 
witchcraft voodoo hullabaloo of gods. So you're being who understands planes, but you do not have the capacity to know Cthulhu and his great power. I have been all over these planes and have yet to encounter such Cthulhu. As a feline of science, I prefer things I am tangible to touching. Uh, that's because if he touches you, you're dead. <laughs> well, that does seem tragic. We recovered Orenthil and Bakar as well. What could you tell me about the others? Were they also a part of your cult? No, they aren't uh, my cult's material, if you know what I mean. Huh. Bakar is someone who will do anything for money. And she annoyingly talks in third person. But, uh, Orenthal? He's a complex dude. Uh, still haven't figured him out. Don't know what his deal is. I see. Your cooperation is appreciated. My deepest sympathies for your loss. We do have services available to help you through this difficult time. Ooh, like what? Counseling, mostly. It's not something I deal with. I don't care for loss. <laughs> However, Rouge will be with you shortly to reunite you with your companions. Great. And with that, Nicola blinks out of existence because he's just a hologram Gasp. in your room. I don't know, I wouldn't trust a random group of people like that. <laughs> Anywho, uh, let's get everybody else in here. Alright, welcome back. You're missing someone. Mostly. Oh no, we lost the other god. Wrong one. There we go. There you go. Hi. <laughs> Alright, well, welcome back. Welcome back, uh, everyone. Uh, that was your one-on-one -on -one segment. Um, now, as we uh, move on, shortly after Nicola has completed his interviews with each of you, the doors to your room swing open. As you step out, you notice your other party members were just next door. Down the corridor to your left, you see Rouge. What will you do? Put my clothes back on. Not to put my clothes back on. <laughs> Car does not need clothes.
everyone, it's Taylor, your DM and lore master. We've got something a bit different for you this week. We often get inspiration for the Tantalus Tales from the real world, especially from supporters, who we'd love to acknowledge through character names. In the second half of this episode, we'll be introducing a character inspired by a dear friend and early, early supporter of the Tantalus Tales, Matt Allman. Unfortunately, Matt passed away earlier this year, so instead of a sponsor this week, we're asking for those who are able to support the Tuberous Sclerosis Alliance in Matt's honor. You can find links to donate on the Tantalus Tales Facebook and Twitter, or go directly to www.tsalliance.org backslash donate. We'll give more info after the show, but thanks for listening, and your support to this cause would mean the world to us. Enjoy the second half. Well, I do. Oh, so, gingerly walk down the hall. So Oren has his clothes back on. Yeah. Uh, Vakar has decided to just walk around in the hospital gown. Yep. Okay. In all my glory. <laughs> tisk, tisk. T, did you get dressed? Or are you? I know why he hasn't. He hasn't put his clothes on. No one's paid him to do it yet. Ah, <sighs> uh, maybe. Uh, yeah. Looking at Bakar, I uh, <laughs> slowly decide to put on my pants. Okay. Well, perfect. So you guys decide to get to the... Cl- clothe yourself to the point of comfort, I guess. Mm-hmm. Rouge is at the end of the hall. Do you guys go to Rouge? Totally. Yeah. I'm still looking for a way out. Of the station? The whole place. The whole place, okay. Just looking around. I'm walking towards her. I'm just looking around. Okay, gotcha. Cautious. I see. I, uh, I, I'm, I'm sorry for the rough entrance. Usually I take the time to explain your options and what to expect from the whole beaming you up thing, but the meteor sped up the timeline a bit. Uh, I, I'm sorry I couldn't save your world. Mm. Well, you know, that, that happens. Things, things, things get blown up. It, it is what it is, right? Uh, well, anyway, I, I hope Nicola wasn't too harsh. He can be a bit cold. I just need to lead you to his office, where he will hopefully give you the go-ahead to move about the station. Are you ready? Yes. I suppose. Let's do it. All right, uh, Rouge leads you down the corridor. Much like each of the rooms you have seen before, everything is white and sterile. As you reach the door at the end of the corridor, Rouge grabs the handle and turns to you. Here we go. She opens the door and stands aside to let you enter. Inside, you see Nicola, sitting at a large desk. Again, everything is largely white. The room is mostly bare aside from bookcases filled with medical and scientific texts. Atop the desk sits Ice in his clear container, looking visibly irritated. In front of the desk are four chairs. What will you do? Well, first I'm going to... Do these people see in a different spectrum? Is that why everything's white? (laughs) Keeping this place clean, the the janitor. My God, how much (laughs) do they get paid? Probably quite a lot. I'm going to go plop down in the <laughs> white chair 
<laughs> Sit down. I'll also wow. uh, climb up on a white chair. Bukhar is just going to sit against one of the white walls. His butt to the wall! <laughs> They're gonna see everything. Exactly! It's a white wall. <laughs> It'll leave ass prints on my clean wall. Get your butt in a you, chair! No! <laughs> you are going to leave my just... butt! I'm gonna do what I want with it. Just a massive ass print on this clean white wall. You are salty as fuck, aren't you? <laughs> Indeed. Uh, as you guys make yourself, I guess, semi-comfortable, uh, Nicola responds, Let's go straight to the matter of it. You have passed my vetting process, with some reservations. Some this of guy's a vet? What were we vetted for? I'm not an animal. He's a veterinarian, that's what we're, he's vetting us, yeah. Yes, I am definitely a veterinarian. I'm pretty sure that's in speciesist humor, and I frankly am not a fan of it. Oh no, that was—I didn't mean it that way. Just to play on words. <laughs> Some of you were much more cooperative than others, but it is understandable. We all deal with grief differently. Denial is a common reason. A reaction, excuse me, for some. Mm. I was wary, but Rouge assures me that you are rectifier material. Now, oh, that sounds painful. That sounds painful. I do what I want. Does it with my last ass. more than four hours? <laughs> <laughs> Golly, Rouge, I am beginning to second guess your decisions. However, before I release you to move about the station, are there any questions you have for me? What is this station? The station is in a neutral zone, away from any planes of existence. What were we vetted for? Do you expect us not to vet random people from different worlds? No, I mean, why are we here? Oh, I guess it was to save us from being burned to death by that giant thing that fell on us. Yes, we did save you from that giant thing burning you to death. But why? I mean, you could have saved a lot of people. Because Rouge was the one there, that's why. It was Rouge's decision. Frankly, if it had been my decision, I wouldn't have saved anybody. But Rouge saw something in you. Is there anything else I can help you with? No, just gonna hang out for a while. Alright. As you guys sit there, just staring at Nicola, I guess. I'm gonna be uh, artfully brooding. Thank you very much. You're artfully brooding. Uh, in the midst of your artful brooding, you hear a muffled explosion coming from below your position. Rouge sighs, and Nicola curses under his breath in tabaxi. He whispers upwards once again in Tabaxi before turning to Rouge and asking, Could you take these three down to the lab before seeing Hawthorne? Make sure she hasn't destroyed anything useful. Again. <laughs> Rouge nods and opens the door for you three. Alright. Just head on out. I will follow. <sighs> Whoever blew that up, I want to find out what it was. We just got here. Can we take ice with us? 
Yeah, we'll come. <sighs> yes, please take this lizard. He is. Mm. <laughs> I am not a fan. You can have him back. He feels the same. Good lizard. Good dragon thing. Alright, well, Rouge leads you down the corridor to an elevator. Uh, taking the elevator down several floors, you arrive in another similar corridor. A flashing... Oh, this magical moving device is amazing. Oh my god, I'm losing my mind. <laughs> is this powered by magic? It is powered by electricity, I assume. Hmm. I'm not familiar with it. Uh, anywho... Uh, as you arrive in the similar corridor, a flashing red light illuminates the smoke drifting from a door at the end of the hall. T and Rouge, I imagine, don't have much of an issue walking down the hall, but Oren and Bakar, being a hair taller, walk through the smoke. <coughs> Christ's sake. That's what she get for being tall. Uh. When you reach the door at the end of the hall and open it smoke billows out and coughing can be heard from inside as the smoke begins to dissipate you can make out a woman's silhouette in the smoke and several sharp limbs around her oh jeez i hope she's not the cook oh god hello the figure calls as one of the limbs begins to rotate at the tip in a windmill-like fashion clearing the smoke away once it clears, you can see the woman clearly. She's wearing a gas mask. These spider-like limbs are actually coming from behind her, attached to a harness on her back. She extends oh. three mechanical limbs to shake hands with you. Oh, oh hello! Oh, 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 sorry. Oh. She removes her mask. You must be the new recruits Professor Hawthorne mentioned. Welcome. You can call me Spider. That is with an eye and not an eye. <laughs> she winks at you. I am the engineer designer down here on base. I make a special equipment for our rectifiers to use in the field. She fiddles hmm. with a few dials at her desk and a vent turns on, clearing the last of the lingering smoke. Oh, I'm, I'm so sorry about that. I was tinkering with a new device that would allow the wearer to breathe in less than savory conditions. Might make some missions in the future earlier. Easier, excuse me. Uh, oh, uh, hold on a moment. Uh, hold your arm out for me. Wrist up, please. What do you do? Uh, go ahead, Bakar, you're first. Fine. Put, I put my arm out. All right, as Bakar puts, her arm, uh, puts his arm out, uh, a mechanical spider drops down from the ceiling. And uh, scurries up to your wrist. Um, hold on a moment. You you might feel a slight pinch. When the spider makes it Wait. to your wrist, there is a brief sting as it Why? anchors itself into your skin right uh, below your wrist. What the heck? What is this? May I have your arms as well, please? Uh, she asks um. to uh, T and to Orenthil. I'm not sure um, if I'm okay with this. What the hell? Yeah, I, I let's like do it. Middle more. Ugh. Ugh, well, this this peer pressure, I can't resist. All right, fine. Everyone else was doing it. I guess I'll do it too. Wow. <laughs> All right. Uh, so, uh, 
The spiders also drop down to uh, Orenthil's arm, and I believe T. Did you say you were you were in on it? Yeah, I'll I'll, I'll give it a try. Arachnophobia is not helping me right now. Yeah, yeah. She uh she seems a little hurt. You guys you guys aren't arachnophobic, are you? Vaguely. Never once. Vaguely. All right. Well, uh, they all drop down onto your wrist and anchor themselves into it. Uh, and she exclaims, "These work as communicators. You can talk amongst yourselves as well as home base." They'll also help monitor your vital signs in case we need to pull you out for safety reasons. Also, oh, ah, uh, one moment. These are also yours. They're gifts from me. She walks over to a far wall and punches in a code. A door opens, revealing three items. A long sword, a bow, and a staff. I designed you some weapons. Uh, and they will be dropped into Discord so you can see them in a moment. Uh, cool. I just I designed you some weapons, uh, Bakar. I made you this. She holds out the a long sword that is slightly pulsing with light. I call it the long sword of daylight savings. For oh. every for every hour that the blade is in the sunlight, you have an hour of charge, and while charged, it glows as a small light source. When you attack with it, it does more damage to those who take refuge in the darkness. I will take it very reluctantly. Creatures of darkness, beware. And uh, I believe Colleen just dropped that into the Discord. I do see it. And uh, Orenthil, she holds out a longbow whose string is crackling with blue energy. Mm. Laser bow. This new bow will electrify any arrow you knock in its string. I call it Longbow 2 Electric Boogaloo. <laughs> I snatch it out of her hand. Leap. I am sure your enemies will find it shocking. And finally, T. She holds out a four-foot staff with lifelike tentacles carved into the top. I hear you're into tentacles. <laughs> That's yes. totally true. 100%. I can back that up. <laughs> This staff will give you the power to call upon the help of those slimy little buggers. I call it the Staff of Tentacle Stuff. How creative. <laughs> when you hold it, if you are a true believer, it holds you too. She winks at you. I hope you like them. Ooh. Hmm. Bakar is impressed, but also very spiteful right now. You got, yep. You got a flashlight sword, huh? <laughs> Means you have to go outside. <laughs> <laughs> I can shoot lightning bolts now, or something along those lines. Well, I am, I am so glad that you like these new weapons for you. I am always tinkering around with new technologies, so don't be a stranger. I love working on stuff that helps our rectifiers. Did you have any questions for me? What are we erecting? Rectifiers? No, rec rectifiers, T, not erectifiers. <laughs> you and your tentacle stuff. <laughs> I don't see the difference. <laughs> nah, I don't think I have a question at the moment, but I'll be back if I have one. I'm sorry, what was that? I'll come back if I have a question, yes. All right. Well... 
uh, don't be a stranger. Enjoy the rest of your uh, tour, I suppose. Say hello to Hawthorne for me. Keep this spider on my wrist all the time. Ugh. <laughs> oh my god. Uh, after retrieving your new weapons and communication devices from Spider, uh, Rouge coughs to signal it's time to move on. She leads you back down the smoky-smelling hall to the elevator and presses the H button. And she scans her own Spider communication device, and a robotic voice announces from the elevator, Input accepted. You are cleared to ascend. The elevator begins to ascend to the top level of the tower. After what seems like several minutes, the elevator dings and the doors open. As you step onto the uppermost level of the station, your eyes are hit with a brilliant sight of stars and galaxies just outside the glass dome encasing this level. A shooting star rushes past, and as you stare, you notice amongst the blue and purple hues cracks in the space itself. That doesn't look normal. I think, uh, I think, um, what norm, what what we consider normal is going to need a you know reassessment, Picard. <laughs> it doesn't look good. Well, no one ever expected life to, no, so you're gonna have to live with it. Well, you do all, all the time. Yeah. <laughs> uh, as you uh, stare, you hear a voice. Beautiful, isn't it? The voice startles you out of your awe as you notice a tall man standing near the wall of the dome. We call it the Fractured Space. I find myself staring at it for hours, getting lost in the swirls and color. Oh, pardon me. He steps closer to you, holding out a hand for you. My name is Professor Hawthorne. Welcome to the Tantalus Institute. What's her face? Hi. Said hi. <laughs> <laughs> I jump up and slap his hand and say, I'm T. Yeah. I pulled out a fist, bro. How you doing? Hey everyone, thank you for listening to episode 5 of the Tantalus Tales, and I hope you enjoyed meeting Spider. Before we completely knew what we wanted to do for this podcast, Matt was right there helping out. Having done podcasts himself, he was a treasure trove of knowledge, and vital to getting our feet firmly planted on the podcast ground. Matt and I were in a number of theatrical productions together, and his humor always got to me. Before starting this podcast, we knew for certain that we wanted to include Matt somehow, and then with his passing earlier this year, we knew we had to memorialize him as Spider, inspired by one of his online personas. Being a fan of D&D himself, we decided to make him a vital character in one of our stories, and an incredibly fun character that I can only hope lives up to his memory. Matt was one of the most supportive people I've ever had the pleasure to know, and I, I, and I will miss him dearly. Which is why we're asking for donations to the 
Tuberous Sclerosis Alliance in his memory. If you can help, thank you. If not, I completely understand. I look forward to more spider moments on the show, and I hope you do as well. <laughs> Once again, I want to thank Matt for his support so early on in our show's infancy. To our Patreon supporters who make it possible to tell our story. To what's good for the use of their amazing work in our show. And most importantly, to thank you for listening. So take care. We'll see you all on the 8th of May for episode 6. I'll see you then. <laughs>